We are discussing today Inside American Education by Thomas Sowell. This is an absolutely very fascinating book, really doing a deep dive inside American education. And we kind of talked about, you know, the decline, deception, dogmas. And, you know, that it's like, it's not that natural national effort is lacking, but what is actually lacking is the educational system ability to deliver results after it has been supplied to ample resources. And this book was written a while ago, but even today, now this has become even more abundantly clear that they've been supplied all the resources necessary to distribute information. And that's essentially what school comes down to is training the next generation, giving them and supplying them with the information they need in an ever-changing and adaptable world. Then not only is the school system failing with this, but they are given so much possibility with technology to distribute information at a lower and lower cost. In higher education, it's even worse. So as increasingly vast sums of money have been poured into colleges and universities over the past half century, one of the most striking results has been the professor's have taught fewer and fewer classes and I've done more and more research. So what I find interesting about this is what's stopping that professor to just putting their information, their education, their courses out to the students online so they can watch them over and over again. So they don't have to rely on being in a classroom where somebody might be distracting them or or a lecture where they couldn't hear the professor or they were distracted or maybe they had something bad happen that day and they can't focus. That's just an old, archaic way of thinking. So more money for higher education will never mean actually more teaching, much less better teaching, as long as that money goes into reducing teaching loads and financing more research. This is a controversial concept, and again, that's that's directly from Thomas Sowell. So the point is simply that more money does not translate into more and better education at the college or university level any more than elsewhere in the American educational system. So this is, is very interesting to think about, you know, that, um, that really the point is that more money does not translate into more and better education at the college and university level. So really pumping in more money and costing or charging more for tuition doesn't actually help the quality of education. If anything, the odd thing is it actually inverts. So These are not isolated incidents, and he kind of gives a couple um, examples to back up some brainwashing and the dogmas, things of this nature in in schools, and he says, you know, these are not isolated incidents, nor is this the emotional shock treatment of confined with this issue, and uh, a whole new social phenomenon known as affective education, quote-unquote, has spread across the country. Seeking to reshape the moral values, personal habits, and social mindsets of the American children. Affective education will not be confused with effective education. Instead, it is one of many agendas which distract schools from effective education. The emotionalizing of education not only takes away from intellectual development, it also casts teachers in the role of amateur psychologists. Very interesting. So, it's kind of like schools are superimposing this idea of being psychologist students. And while it's important to have a correct balance, this just is very controversial. So they are unqualified to gauge the consequences of their manipulations of children's emotions. Beyond that, it is the very antithesis of education. The purpose of education is to give the student the intellectual tools to analyze, whether verbally or numerically, 
and to reach conclusions based on logic and evidence. So my main question, my main thesis, and Thomas Sowell didn't necessarily know about this distribution of education really in this book. He, he didn't he pointed out a lot of issues, but he didn't necessarily provide, I don't think, a correct you know, ESS, which is an evolutionary stable strategy to schools. And, you know, everything in nature strikes an ESS. So, for example, anything that's living. So grass, for example, actually struck an ESS with cows. And you see this in if, if you've ever worked on a farm, things are changing thermodynamically and biologically every day. So living organisms adapt. They're constantly changing. And, and it's the same with your body. You know, Carol Estwark talks about this in her book, Mindset, which is the growth versus fixed mindset. And nothing is really fixed in human beings. Literally, from the beginning of you listening to this episode, for example, you're not the same person now than you were at that point. And that's on a cellular level. That's not just me saying that. That's literally on a cellular level. So it, people not understanding this, this kind of conclusion that, you know, we need logic and evidence to help students and the ability to distribute information, the, the ability to educate people online through video lectures, through online documents, all these, all these different tools you can utilize. And even like a VR classrooms is becoming a thing. So this, this ability, especially now in, you know, quarantine, coronavirus, all that stuff, people have been moving more and more online and it's, it's very important to be able to adapt, to change, to become changeable and really focus on this, this level of education at another, you know, beyond the classroom. So given political realities, it can hardly be surprising that public school teachers are among the most difficult of all employees to fire, regardless of the level of their competence or incompetence, rates of pay likewise bear virtually no relationship to competence or incompetence. This is very messed up. So, but they are largely determined by longevity and college credits. A teacher who ruins the education of general, of, of generation after generation of students will be rewarded continually rising pay levels. So, in short, some of the least qualified students taught by the least quality qualified professors in the lowest quality courses supply most American public school teachers. As for the value of education courses and degrees in the actual teaching of school children, there is no persuasive evidence that such studies have any payoff whatsoever in the classroom. Very interesting. So postgraduate degree holders be, actually became much more common among teachers during the period of declining student test scores. Hmm. Back in the early 1960s, when student SAT scores peaked Fewer than one-fourth of all public school teachers had postgraduate degrees, and almost 15% lacked even a bachelor degree. But by 1981, when the test score decline hit bottom, just over half of all the teachers had a master's degree, and less than 1% lacked a bachelor's. Very, very interesting. That's why I really like Thomas Sowell and how he really lays this out. This is a very large book, and he did an extensive study on schools. So... Moving on, so the whole history of schools and departments of education has been one of the desperate but largely futile attempts to gain the respect of other academics, usually by becoming theoretical and research-oriented rather than by improving the classroom skills of teachers. But both theoretical and practical room skill, uh, sorry, 
practical work and education are inherently limited by low intellectual level of the students and professors attracted to this field. So where education degrees are not mandated by laws as a requirement for teaching in private schools, those schools actually themselves often operate without such a requirement for their own. The net result is that they can draw upon a much wider pool of better educated people for their teachers. The fact that these private schools often pay salaries not as high as those paid in public schools, teachers further reveal their true role of education degrees as protective tariffs. So this is very interesting, you know, kind of bringing the ego into education, which is not something you should do. Really, education, it shouldn't be black and white, but it should really be, um, you know, you should kind of take the ego out of it. The teacher shouldn't have an ego. Their, their main goal should be to educate the students, to provide them proper tools, and not be stuck in the old ways of education. You know, we should be adaptable. We should be going, why aren't there, why don't the teachers just record all their classes for one year, and then from then on out, be able to distribute them to all the students so they can constantly go back and look at them. The students that have a thirst for knowledge, that they can constantly go back and do it. You know, some of us are auditory, some of us are visual, some of us are kinesthetic. A lot of us learn through osmosis. And it's it, just the way we're doing things is not right. So this allows teachers unions to charge higher pay for their members who are insulated from competition. And this is another issue, you know, tenure comes into this. And I find this interesting because I personally actually went through private school. So if if you went to public school, I'd be curious to know about your um kind of what you remember, but for a lot of people, you know, you ask them what they remember about school, people don't remember a lot. And me personally, like running my own business, I learned nothing from school in that. I, I was really self-taught and, and I had to seek out the knowledge myself. And that's really what a lot of this is, is self-learning, you know, online learning, shifting into this new era. So thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe. And until next time.